We want to talk about beyond. This is a word that we sense for this year. And we're talking about that because we believe that if you've given your life to Jesus, he wants to put his resurrection power on you to take you beyond a normal life, Amen. to take you beyond. I, I love the, the, this is our scripture theme verse for the church. It's Luke 4.18. You see it around this wall. The spirit of the Lord is on me. He's anointed me to proclaim good news of the poor, to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Jesus, when he saves us, he doesn't just give us forgiveness of sins and eternity with him in heaven. That would be enough. But he takes us past where we are. And he takes us past our addictions. He takes us past our struggles and our pain into a destiny. And that's what we want to talk about. And I was thinking about this little analogy because we experienced a, a little microcosm of that two weeks ago uh, when we went up uh, into to Mammoth, California. Stephanie, my, my sweet wife, who's there on the second row, um, she, she's had this heart, as uh, many of you know, we're not originally from California, although we claim it as the best state in the nation, for sure. We've got everything here. Um, but she's had this heart to just explore the natural beauty of our state. And so as we were coming to Christmas time, she said, Robert, with these this six days we have off, let's go somewhere. And You've probably experienced this. It, it had been, I've tried to be vulnerable with you guys. It's been a harder semester for me with this persecution we've experienced as we try to build this building. And obviously, I'm continuing to have family crisis with my, my nuclear family and just, and just pressures that we were going through on as both a church and a, a global movement. And so when you feel pressure and when you experience pain, you really, you're, what, what your body and your soul wants is this comfort. Right? You just start dreaming about getting done with your day and sinking into your couch. We have a lovely L couch uh, that I'll, you'll find me on in about an hour from now. Um, uh, you know, we wanted just a cozy, a cozy beverage and to just watch something and just to kind of veg out. And, and comfort is fine. It's, it's a gift, but it's not what we live for. God created you to live for a calling. And so today what I want to speak to you on in this first installment of the Beyond series is the call to go beyond. The call to go beyond. I encourage everyone to take notes today. As you write down, you'll remember much more of what, you, uh, what, what we talk about. But as, we, um, as Stephanie said, I'd like to go somewhere. I was like, I really don't want to go to a new place. Like, that's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable to go to a new place. And you've got all these variables and you're like, will it be refreshing? And will it be, really be restful? But because I'm such an amazing husband, uh, <laughs> just kidding. But I, I was like, okay, Steph, I, I remembered that someone had sent me uh, a, a while back, uh, some people that had been in one of our life groups uh, back in 2018, they had, had sent a, a little invitation and said, hey, we've moved up to Mammoth um, and we'd love to host you in our home sometime if you wanted to come and visit. And, and it was like a week before and I'm thinking there's no way they'll say yes because who, you know, who can turn that fast? But, but I'll at least appease my wife, right? I'm sure you husbands have never done this. So I sent out the email uh, thinking, well, and I said, Steph, I sent the email. And five days later, 
come on up. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> wow, they said we could do it. And then I'm thinking, but I don't really, we, I, I don't really trust my vehicle to, to do that. And then Steph goes, you'll never believe this. Someone at church said, do y'all need to go somewhere over the holidays? We'd love to lend you our, our brand new vehicle. I'm like, okay, I guess we're going. So uh, we end up driving up to Mammoth. And this is the sign that we're greeted with. Welcome and as you're driving into the town of Mammoth, the mountains are calling. Ooh, isn't that appealing? Ooh, the mountains are calling. Uh, and the quote is from John Muir. And what I've noticed is that we've explored these natural beauty spots in these national parks in California. I continue to see that name, John Muir. So I started studying him. And it was... So interesting, some of the discoveries. I also read about him in a, in a, a John Eldridge book on resilience that I've been studying as well. John Muir, like many people in this church, was an immigrant to the United States. He came from Scotland. He moved at 11 years old. His family moved to Wisconsin. And he had a pretty painful childhood. His father was a driver. And so he'd worked them very hard from morning until night. Here's what I found is often our pain ushers us into our destiny. Often our pain is used to usher us into our destiny. So he had a very uncomfortable life, but what John and his brother would do anytime they could is they'd escape into the woods. And so he became a person who found great solace in the woods. Well, he leaves home as early as possible and he moves to, to Indiana and he's a machinist there. And then he has another painful experience as uh, uh, the machine misfires and it hits him in the eyes and he blinds him. Many people don't know this about John Muir. So he spent numerous weeks blind and as he was doing that, he said, I, I don't want to take for granted my eyesight. If I recover my sight, I'm going to spend my life gazing upon the natural beauty uh, that God has created. And so he ended up moving to California and he spent his much of his life exploring, going up into the Sierra Nevadas. He, he was really the one who put Yosemite and Yosemite Valley on the map. And then he started documenting what he wrote about. Now, it wasn't always easy for him to go beyond. One of the accounts I wrote, I, I, I read about John Muir was when he was climbing a, a 14,000 foot mountain and a blizzard comes in and they think they're going to lose their lives. And the only reason he didn't is that there were some natural steam vents. And so they laid on them for eight hours, rotating on them to stay warm enough, but not to get scorched, to survive, and then forcing themselves back in, even though they wanted to give up and die. As I was thinking about John Muir, I, I would go on these long walks, and we were staying in this, this cabin uh, that these people live in, miles from anyone else, and I'd just walk on these lonely roads and feast upon the mountains, the, the, the Sierra Nevadas, as I'm up there, and I felt my soul being refreshed. I don't know if you've ever experienced this where you almost feel like a human gas tank, where you feel like you're being filled up. You're like, man, I was running on empty. That's how I felt at the end of the semester. And by the end of it, I was like, I am feeling like my gas tank. I literally feel like life is coming back into me. I want to tell you that when you start going beyond... It's the last thing you want to do when you're in pain. It's the last thing you want to do when, when you're wiped out or weary. But when you answer God's call to go beyond, he starts renewing your soul. The Bible actually says even when you're walking 
through the valley of the shadow of death, he's going to restore your soul and prepare a banqueting table for you. Amen. It's absolutely amazing. You have a supernatural faith with a supernatural God. So today I want to talk to you about this, um, this, this uh, concept of going beyond from a people and a person who went beyond in the book of Exodus. So during these next weeks, we're going to march through the book of Exodus. It's an amazing book, finding these different illuminated truths that God brings to us. It's going to help us be the people who walk into our destiny and ultimately our promised land. So we'll start in Exodus 2, and it starts with this. It says, during the long period, the king of Egypt died, and the Israelites groaned in their slavery and cried out, and their cry for help became, uh, because of their slavery went up to God. And God heard their groaning, and he remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. So God looked on the Israelites and was concerned about them. What you need to know is the Bible is written to people who have been in captivity. The Bible is written to people who suffered. And anytime you cry out to God, he hears you. Amen. And he answers. He hears you and he answers. He's a covenant God. And the Bible says, it says he remembered his covenant to Abraham. Do you know that you're children of Abraham? The Bible says if you put your faith in Jesus that you're in the line of Abraham. So when you are in trouble or when you are in pain, God hears your cry and he wants to take you above and beyond. Let's look now at Exodus chapter three because what God does is he raises up people. He raises up people, and we're going to see him raising up and calling someone. It says, now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountains of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in the flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that the bush was on fire. It did not burn up. So Moses thought, I'll go over and see this strange sight. Why this bush does not burn up? When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Don't come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals for the place where you're standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I'm concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them out of that land into a good, spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites, and now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go, I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. John Muir didn't just have these experiences where he risked his life to go into these new uncharted lands. He wrote about them. And as he wrote about them, they inspired many people to do things that were above and beyond. That's what I'm believing as we read the accounts of Moses and the Israelites that it's going to inspire us. One of the people that John Muir's account inspired, wow, I'm, it's, I think something's going on technically, and I'm ADD as it is. Uh, anyway, we'll figure it out. Um, 
It's probably one of our translation devices. Uh, John VA, you can, you can tell people. So we, this is awesome. We translate this service into Swahili. We translate the, the service before to, to Spanish, but we can figure that out because I think one of our devices is going uh, a little off. Um, this is real life, right? This is, uh, he, he writes these accounts. He writes about what he had experienced and it opened up the, the Sierra Nevadas. It opened up Yosemite Valley. It opened up all these beautiful places to numerous people. I want to tell you, when you receive a calling from the Lord and you walk in your calling, you make the way for the blessing of many other people. That's why it's so important for you to get a calling from God, because it's not just about you. It will impact so many other people. One of the people that got John Muir's writing in his hands was a guy named Teddy, Teddy Roosevelt. In 1903, Teddy Roosevelt comes to visit John Muir in the Yosemite Valley. He's inspired and he decides to set up the national park system. You never know what you listening to the call and going beyond is going to impact people and set in motion something that could impact hundreds, thousands, in John Muir's case, millions. But today I want to actually look at a divine calling because we're in the line of Abraham and we're in the line of Moses. And so God has a divine calling for every person in here. God actually wants to divinely call you. He wants to reveal his calling to each person in this room. And I want to show you, because sometimes we're like, okay, what's a calling? Was that a calling or not? I want to give you five attributes that you can know a divine calling will have so you can know when God is actually calling you. And we're going to unpack this scripture that we just looked at. So first, it says, God called to him from in the bush and said, Moses, Moses. Attribute number one of a divine calling is it is very personal. God is not just some distant deity. He's not just this force that's, that's out there. He actually is a father, and he wants to be very specific. He actually calls you by name. God knows your name. He knows the amount of hairs on your head. Not hard for him to know mine. But he actually is intimately acquainted with you. And so God wants, like a father, like a best friend, to be very close to you in your calling. So he's not going to just move you around like a pawn on a chessboard. He's going to do that as a, the most tender, loving, and compassionate father that's ever been. But secondly, it's not just personal, it's also holy. So here's the thing. Some of us, we're, we're blown away that God wants to be personal, and then we get so casual with God, and then we just kind of think of Christianity as our feet propped up on a cushion and drinking our cappuccino and maybe just reading a little of our devotional book, and we forget that this is the supreme grandmaster creator of the universe that flung the stars into space and parted a Red Sea. And so when God's talking to Moses, he says, stop, don't come any closer. Moses actually hid his face because he was afraid. He said, take off your sandals because it's holy ground. Here's what I want to tell you. When you get a divine call, remember it's holy. It's not just like an invitation to go to a dinner party and you might go or you might not go. It's not just like a job offer where you're like, huh, okay, is that enough pay? Um, you know, do I, do I like my cubicle? Okay, do I like the benefits? Uh, maybe, maybe I'll take a little of it, God. No, this is I don't know about you, the older I get, the less impressed I am with myself. Like, I know me. And if I was the, like, the supreme grandmaster of the universe and I wanted to impact and change the world, I probably wouldn't have chosen Robert, right? Because I'm a quirky dude, right? And so you got to remember, like, the living God 
is actually choosing like weird you. Have you noticed how weird humans are? <clears throat> I'm looking at some weird people right now. I say that and all, and I'm the chiefest of weirdness. But, <clears throat> but God has chosen you so. Here's what I want to be. When, when God's giving me a call, I'm not evaluating like, oh, maybe God or no. No, I'm like, thank you, Father, that you, holy God, would call me. And yes, I want to live it out. Like, I'm not, I don't want to dabble. I want to be all in. Like, I want to say yes before I even know the calling. And that's how you get your calling. When you come to God and say, God, whatever you say, I'll do. That's when God's like, okay, then I can trust you. Here's your calling. Number three. It's in the context of a much bigger story. It says, then he said, I'm the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Uh, if you grew up just in America, we can be very just me-centered and very individualistic. So oftentimes people that grow up in other countries get that a lot more because it's much more communal. It's much more we than me. And when God calls you into something, he's saying, like, you're in the line of Abraham, and you're in the line of Moses, who was his great, 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 great grandson, and you're in the line of David, King David, in the line of Esther, who saw amazing things. Like, you're in this line, and it's, you're a part of a greater story, and thus, it's so important for us to know our calling because we're grabbing the baton from Abraham. And you're grabbing the baton from the early disciples and you're running it in this generation. And then if Jesus tarries and coming back to earth, which he's going to do, then we're handing it to the next generation. So it's incredibly important. And you can look at the generations before and say, the things that you did for Abraham, the way you came through, you'll come through for me if I'm in the center of your will. And that's why I so want to be doing right what he's called me because God always provides for, meets, delivers and empowers those who are living out their divine calling. So you want to see signs and wonders? You want to see the power of God on you? You want to have complete provision? Then be in the center of what God's calling you to do. Here's the next point, point four. It's not just for you, but others. Uh, Here's how you can know it's a divine calling. If it's bigger than just yourself. When you're evaluating your calling, you're not going, okay, um, will this enable me to buy enough cappuccinos, right? Or can I, can, I, can I finally drive the exact car or have that, you know, the exact Jordans that I always wanted? Or, um, you know, is this going to allow me to be on this vacation or have this title? Or No, it's not just like those things aren't all bad, but that's not your calling. Your calling is going to impact many people. Your calling is not just about blessing you, it's blessing other people, right? So if, if it's not big and touching people, then it's not your calling, if it doesn't move just past you. And then point five is this. It's bigger than what you can accomplish in your own abilities. Um, if, it's, if it's not impossible, it's not God. Let me just say that again. If, it's not, if, if you can accomplish it in your own intellect, or your own finances, or your own abilities, then it's not God. If it's stretching, then you know it's God, because God always calls us to stretch past what's possible for us, because then we need him. That's good, Robert. So you're going to be called into things that make you uncomfortable. You're going to be called to do things that you're like, I don't think I can handle that. I don't think I'm smart. I don't think I'm strong. I don't have enough energy. 
This is, this is what the scripture says. It says, I'm going to give you the promised land, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hittites, and Jebusites. Those were all stronger and bigger and better warriors than the Israelites. And it wasn't just one group that was bigger and stronger. It was tons of groups. And God said, that's the land I'm going to give you. And I'm sure the Israelites looked and went, that's impossible. And God said, good, because then you have to depend on me. So you know it's your calling when it's something that you can't do. Can I say that again? You know it's a divine calling when it's something that you can't do. You have to have God. Okay, so here, here's my question for you. Write this question down. Have you experienced a calling? Have you experienced a calling? If you haven't, God has one for you. If you have, my question is, are you living it? Or was it just something that you're like, oh, maybe, and you started, and then you're like, oh, it's too hard. Or, or you know, oh, yeah, but let me try a little of this. Let me ask you, have you experienced a calling, and are you living out your calling? One of the uh, real impacting things on this trip for Steph and I is we were listening to these four uh, podcasts from this guy named Jamie Winship, and it was so impacting because he, he grew up without a family and his, his family life was very broken. And he talks about this, this time where he goes to see this movie. I'm like, where is he going with this? And he says he's watching this, this movie about a true story about a Brooklyn cop and how he had all these crazy things happen. And he said, while he's watching this, this weight just comes on him. And he's like, that's what I have to do. Like, I have to be a police officer in a big city. Like, that is, is what I'm made for. And he walks out of there and he starts telling people that. Well, a few weeks later, he gets saved. Someone shares about Jesus. He feels Jesus calling him and he gives his life to Jesus. And then he realizes, oh, the same voice that was calling me to give my life to Jesus was the voice that was speaking to me or that, that experience I was having in the movie theater. And so he ends up going through the training and becoming this police officer. And he kept getting promoted over and over and over again. And the reason was is because he was solving cases that no one else could solve. And so his, his overseers would come to him and say, how are you doing this? And he'd say, well, you're not going to like this, but I'm a follower of Jesus, and I listen to him speak, and I do what he says. And they're like, we don't like that. <laughs> but we love the outcome. And, and, and so he just he keeps doing it, and, and then all of a sudden he starts transforming areas. Like he'd, he'd go into these gang areas and start bringing peace and transformation. And they're like, you have to teach others how you do this. And he goes, I can, but you're not going to like it. They said, why? He goes, because I'm a follower of Jesus. I listen to Jesus. He tells me what gang members to go and share with. They give their life to Jesus, and it starts transforming the gangs. They were like, we don't like that, but we love what's happening to these gangs. So can you train other officers how to do this? So he's like, yeah, I can train people how to hear the voice of Jesus. So he starts doing that. The CIA ends up picking him up and saying, can you do this? We're gonna send you into hot spots around the world, enemies of, of, of freedom, and, and we're gonna send you in to de-escalate these things. So he goes in and he starts doing this with terrorists. And they're like, how are you doing this? They're like, you're not gonna like this. But I listen to the Holy Spirit. He tells us what to do. He, he talked about this one time where his team felt like they were supposed to get a van and buy a bunch of chairs and set it up in the desert. Like that was their strategy. And they did that, and all of a sudden, all these people just come out of the desert, fill the chairs, and they all give their lives to Jesus. 
And so he starts transforming through his job. He starts transforming lives. Now there's a massive movement of Muslims that have come to Jesus in the Muslim world through this, this, this government worker who just hears the Lord and obeys. I loved hearing this because I'm like, yes, that's it. Like that's God's plan and his destiny for us in our whatever way he created you. And, and here's, here's the thing is so oftentimes we just, we think callings are just for special people. Do you know that Moses wasn't the, Moses was a refugee that was fleeing. Then he has these few moments where it's awesome. He's in the king's palace and then he has a hot temper and he kills someone. He's a murderer and then he's a shepherd on the backside of nowhere, right? So, so many times we glorify people we, that have these crazy callings. No, you're in the line of Moses. Here's what scripture says. It says, for there is one body and one spirit. The same spirit of Moses for, that, that came and inhabited Moses, the Holy Spirit, is your Holy Spirit. Just as you've been called to one glorious hope for the future. There's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and father of all. Do you know that you have the same father that Moses did? You have the same father of Abraham and Sarah. You have the same father of Esther. There's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, who is over all and in all and living through all. However, he has given each one of us a special calling, or in the NLT it says gift, through the generosity of Christ. That is why scripture says when he ascended to the heights, he led a crowd of captives and gave gifts to his people. God has given gifts to each one. The scripture is very clear. He's given divine callings to each one. And when you start walking in that, you will start experiencing his abundant life because it will fit like a glove. Have you heard that illustration before? Like this just fits me like a glove. Can you throw me my glove? Thank you. All right. Um, your, your calling is going to fit you like a glove. Everyone in my family had been in, in the car business, okay? And so I had an opportunity to go in the car business, and I go in the car business. It's awesome, and the, uh, it's been used in my family. But I tried it on, and it didn't work for me. Like, I wasn't good in the car business. And then God released a, a calling where he actually spoke to me. I was in a church service, a lot like this, actually it was a lot more formal. The choir was in robes and I'm sitting on the front row and I had a vision and I didn't believe in visions. So I was actually judging myself for having a vision. Uh, but I have a vision. I see myself about this age walking back and forth on the stage preaching and I'm overcome. Just like Jamie Winship in that movie theater, I'm overcome with emotion. I'm like, oh my gosh. And when I stepped into doing what I do, like when I'm preaching, when I'm sharing, I feel like that hand in the glove, like it just hits me, it's like, <sighs> right? When I do that, and then when I, when I travel around helping start churches, like I just feel that, oh, it's like a hand in a glove for me. Now, here's the thing. Um, our, our life, a lot of you are, are, are using your life for its divine calling, for its actual purpose. Like a glove is perfectly made to catch a ball, okay? I don't know, I, my sons are athletes. When they throw balls and I catch them without gloves, it hurts. Like it stings my hand. They're like, come on, dad, you want? No, it, it hurts, so a, you put on a glove, it's awesome. A glove can be used for other things, like this. 
right? So I get desperate at times, balding, and so I go out in the hot San Diego sun. I need something on my, on my head. If I didn't bring a hat, this would work, right? <clears throat> but you're also, a lot of you are kind of snickering at me. Why? Because I'm not using this glove for its right purpose. I mean, it works, but you know, you see a guy walking down the street, what's up? It's hard. You know, you, <clears throat> you wouldn't take him as seriously. They're not going to be as, as, as convincing, as believable, as useful, as powerful when you look like this. Okay? There's other things you could use a glove for. You could, it could be a knee pad, right? Can you imagine running with the, something like this? Or, you know, it, uh, uh, a glove could help you paddle a canoe. Right? But it's, you know, it got these things and the water's going to go through it. A glove, you could probably use this to eat your cereal, right? You could put cereal, it's going to be sweaty and, and you know, it's going to, but, but when, but, but there's nothing like a glove for catching a baseball. It's just, it's the divine purpose of a glove. And when you start walking in your divine purpose, it's just going to fit. It's going to be uh, uh, yes. Now, I mean, of course, there's moments where it's hard and challenging, but for the most part, you're going to be just like, yes. I, I, <clears throat> I love the story of chariots of fire, right? And Eric Little said, when I run, I feel... They said, why do you run? Like, you could do other things. He goes, when I'm running, I feel his pleasure. When you start running in your divine calling, you're going to feel his pleasure, and other people are going to be impacted. So let me just finish this sermon today by, by just talking about <clears throat> how do people receive divine callings? Like, what's it, what's it like? Um, do you know God calls people in different ways? So, so you might hear a story like me saying, sitting in a church service and having a vision, and you're like, well, I guess I'll just never get a calling because I've never had a vision. Um, do you know how many burning bushes there are in Scripture? How many burning bushes are there? Okay, I'm seeing a lot of people with one finger. There's, there's one, right? So to, to walk out and say, I've only got my calling if I see a burning bush, right? <clears throat> you guys that don't live in East County don't have a chance. Um, <clears throat> so, so anyway, um, there are so many different ways. So I, I love hearing about Jamie Winship. He's in a movie theater and God just drops it on. He sees someone doing what he was called to do. Sometimes it's by seeing someone and, and you just have this knowing that falls on you. Uh, for Steph, hers was different than me. She was on a mission trip and she wasn't even really pursuing the Lord at the time. She just kind of went on the trip for fun and to escape. And she walks off and just stands on a hill by herself and then she hears this voice. She hears this internal voice. It's time to live fully for me or fully for the world. And she knew it was God calling her. Um, Sherry Briggs was sitting over here in the first service this morning. She started this amazing organization that we, we support and we give to through this church called Bridge of Hope. It serves refugees. It serves impoverished people in, in, in City Heights. And I asked her, how did you get your calling? She goes, my calling came through my own personal need. I was a single mom. I didn't have the resources I need. People started giving to me and it impacted me so much that I wanted to do it for others. So your calling can come out of this, this great need and a, a burning desire to do what you receive. Uh, for another friend in this church, John Sunt, he started an organization called Natural High to help young people not get hooked on drugs and alcohol. And I talked to John about his calling, and he's like, my calling came from my pain. 
Both of my brothers died of, of drug-related incidents, and I had to do something so that other people wouldn't experience what I did. His calling came from his pain. Uh, Nick Gannon, who's going to France, his calling came in a dream. He has a dream one night. He calls me the next day, and he goes, I had this dream where this voice spoke, invade France. What do you think it means? Like, um, in, invade France uh, with the gospel. Um, so we, we receive our callings all from, from different ways. Here's my question for you. Have you received a divine calling? Uh, here is my guarantee from Scripture for you. God has a calling for you. And so my dream over this spring semester as we go through this incredible series called Beyond and we march through the book of Exodus is that we get to the end and every person in this church would know their divine calling. And some of you, a few of you have actually already lived a calling and you're like, now what's next? That you'd receive your next calling from the Lord. And then some of you that have received your calling and, and you know what you're called to, but you kind of drifted off like a sheep or you kind of became one who forgot how holy it was that God gives calls and you've been like, oh, I'll pick a little of this or a little of that. Or maybe you're even running like Jonah was from his calling that you'd come back and say, God, I believe your way is best and the abundant life comes from walking in the center of your calling. Amen. That's our dream for you. And so two ways that you receive callings, two, two places that you receive callings. One is like Stephanie. You walk off alone. You get, you get alone, and God speaks to you. So we want to give you a gift today. If, if uh, the ones that are passing them out from the front, Pastor Kendall wrote an amazing devotional. I read it last week. It'll, it, you'll go through it the next 10 days. I want to encourage all of us to do this together, to spend every day, start your day going through this biblical devotional. You do it for 10 days, you're going to develop a habit. And so this is an amazing scriptural devotional. It's going to go right on with this series. We're giving it to you for free because we so believe in you spending alone time with God that it's the greatest gift that we can give you. Alone time with God is where so many hear God. And I want to encourage you to go through this devotional. But if you don't know your divine calling yet, at the end of every day, just take a little time to journal in this book and say, God, what are you calling me to? God, what are you calling me to? And listen, just take time in silence so we're learning to hear God's voice. And he might speak something different. So a lot of times I find that God just wants to encourage us. He just wants to speak encouragement and he wants to speak his love. But at the right time, when he knows you're ready, he's going to release that divine calling. The second way is being in the context of the people of God. For me, it was sitting in a church service like this where God just unloaded uh, that powerful thing. For, for the couple that Stephanie and I were with in Mammoth, uh, Kyle and Katie, they, they actually wrote in the email, we'd love for you to come up because why we're doing this, we, we, we received this while we were in life group with you guys. They had been in life group years ago and God had started speaking to them. The Bible says don't forsake meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. And I'm, I'm preaching the choir because you're here, but I want to encourage you, we never forget to eat. But sometimes we forget how important it is to gather with the church and making that a consistent practice. And you never know what God's going to do or how God's going to use you in someone else's life when you're gathered with the church and when you're gathered in small group community. God loves to speak. That's how the whole gospel moved out of Israel is in Acts chapter 13. It says the church was gathered, worshiping, praying, and fasting, and the Lord spoke, set apart these two people. You might have heard of them, Paul and Barnabas. 
What if they had missed church that day? What if they weren't together worshiping that day? So I want to encourage you, make it a discipline to be with the people of God because we need you to walk in your calling. This city needs you. This world, as it gets darker and darker and more broken and broken, is in desperate need for light. And who is that light? It's you. It's Jesus in you. Christ in you, the hope of glory. He says, arise and shine, for the light has come, and the glory of God rises on you. Why don't we stand up?